Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I'm so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Todd Henry. Todd teaches leaders and organizations how to establish practices that lead to everyday brilliance. He's the author of three books, The Accidental Creative, Die Empty, and Louder Than Words, which have been translated into more than a dozen languages. He speaks and consults across dozens of industries on creativity, leadership, and passion for work. His book, Die Empty, was named by Amazon.com as one of the best books of 2013. His latest book, Louder Than Words, is about how to develop an authentic voice that resonates and creates impact. Best-selling author Tom Rath called it one of the best guides to living a meaningful life I have ever read. Wow, great review. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. I'm so delighted that you're here. Thanks so much, Ursula. It's great to be here. So I, I, I you've had such an interesting career and you've created it, I think, in tandem with or or around the books that you've written, can you tell us a bit about how you've come into this work? Yeah, uh, you know, the, the title of my first book was The Accidental Creative, and that in some ways you could almost title my entire career The Accidental Creative uh, because I did, did not intend to be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, was leading uh, teams creative people, um, you know, writers, designers, uh, as a creative director for an organization. And um, as I was leading them, I realized, you know, many of them have sort of practices or rhythms or habits that, that enable them to be effective. And some maybe didn't have those same practices, rhythms, or habits. And that really made me curious about what is it that highly effective creative professionals do that enable them to be able to sustain the pressures of having to go to work every day and solve problems and collaborate and all of these things that we all have to, to deal with. And so uh, I started researching you know, in the early 2000s, started researching what made some people more effective than others and began to compile those into a set of kind of best practices. And in uh, 2005, I started sharing those uh, with the world via a podcast that I called The Accidental Creative uh, because m many of the people that I was encountering and sharing practices with um, th didn't cons consider themselves typical, you know, quote unquote creatives because they thought that to be creative meant making art. They didn't realize that, you know, solving problems is creativity. Right. Um, and so I would, I would tell them you're creative. You just don't realize it. you're an accidental creative, right? So my goal was to try to take some of these practices out to the broader world and teach people who have to create on demand, who have to solve problems every day, how to be more effective, or as I called it to be prolific, brilliant, and healthy all at the same time. And um, that podcast very quickly gained an audience and kind of launched the message out into a wider world. And that really is 
what led to my realization that, wow, there is a tremendous opportunity here to step in and begin teaching these practices in earnest and uh, began receiving invitations from organizations to come and share these ideas, these practices. And shortly thereafter, I, I launched full time into my business. And, um, you know, the book, The Accidental Creative came out in 2011, uh, which led to the second book, Die Empty, which led to the third book, Louder Than Words, which <laughs> led to the fourth one I'm working on right now. So, now I spend, sorry, it's a very long-winded answer, but I spend <laughs> most of my time with organizations and, and groups of people who are trying to be more effective as creative professionals. And I help them uh, develop practices and rituals that help enable them to be prolific, brilliant, and healthy on a daily basis. Oh, that's great. I uh, What a great summary of your career. I know you've <laughs> talked a lot about this. So what, your latest book, Louder Than Words, is... Um, really about uh, uncovering and, and using your authentic voice uh, to create something that you're both proud of and that resonates deeply with others. And that it's that blending of what's important to you and also what helps you connect with and inspire others that this podcast is really about. It's the, this topic of what I call impact, making a positive contribution. So yeah. can you talk a bit about the voice, your authentic voice and how important that is in having work that's both meaningful and, and uh, reaches out to other people? Absolutely. So, so, uh, you know, when you think about, um, you know, for example, we, I have three kids, right. And we could be, uh, you know, when they were younger, they loved to roam when we were out in the marketplace, right. So we'd be out, you know, in a mall or out in public somewhere and they would just kind of wander off. Um, and I knew that if I called out to them that they would, even in the midst of all of the noise, there's something about the voice of a parent that kids, their ears immediately perk up mm -hmm. and they're, they're just tuned to your voice and they can recognize your voice. Um, and they'll hear it and they'll, they'll navigate back to you. Um, and in, in many ways, I think that's an apt uh, analogy for what our voice is like in the marketplace. You know, I think that we have to pay attention to what we're putting out there, the cohesion of the work that we're putting out there for consumption. Um, we have to ask the question, can people recognize me by the work that I'm putting out? Can they look at something and say, oh, that's clearly something that Ursula made, or that's clearly something that Todd made, or that's clearly a message that comes from uh, this person because it's so recognizable as their voice. And I think many people don't think about that. Uh, I think that instead we sort of approach our work haphazardly or we, 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 um, you know, we just seize opportunities that are in front of us, but we're not weaving together a body of work that truly represents the best of who we are. Now that's not easy and it takes uh, a lot of intentional effort over a long period of time. And they're kind of three core areas that I, I discovered as I was researching people and, and organizations who had an especially resonant and consistent voice. And they are identity, vision, and mastery. So identity being a rootedness in who they are, what they care about, uh, core issues. They, they've drawn clear battle lines. They understand what it is that matters deeply to them. Um, and so there's kind of an authenticity and a uniqueness to what they do. Uh, vision, meaning that they don't just work for themselves. And I think, Ursula, this is one of the biggest issues for a lot of people, especially creative pros, is that they just want to do what they like, right? <laughs> they just want to do what resonates. Oh, this is this is my core passion area. Well, that's fine. I, I love it that you're excited about something, but if nobody else cares about it, it's not going to matter. No matter how 
you know, passionately you make your plea for people to pay attention, they're not going to pay attention to you if it doesn't matter to them as mm-hmm. well. And so you have to have a clear vision for your intended audience, for who you're trying to reach and where you're trying to take them. And you have to communicate that vision clearly. And then mastery is you have a, a, a mastery of the platform via which you're making your argument, right? Because if you don't, you'll lack credibility. So you also have to develop the skills necessary to enact your voice or to put your voice into the world. So I talk about voice as an expression through a medium to achieve an impact, right? And the expression is what you care about. You know, the medium is the mastery of the platform, if you will. And then the impact, which is, I know that's what this series is about, <laughs> the impact is the desired outcome that you want to have for your intended audience. And you have to have all three of those. You have to hold them all in tension and you have to consider all of them as you're doing your work if you want your voice to resonate. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I love that bringing those three together, expression through a medium to have impact and, and tying that all together. What, what are the ways that you feel that you have impact with your clients as you're working with them? The, the biggest thing I think that, that I bring to my clients, and I see this over and over and over again um, as, I'm, as I'm teaching groups of people, uh, is helping them understand that it's not adversity that takes out most people. It's not adversity that causes them to stumble, that causes them to settle into mediocrity. It's the monotonous, steady drumbeat of sameness. You know, <laughs> it's it's every day going back to the mill. You know, putting your nose to the grindstone, working away, toiling away, which is, which is every creative's nightmare. <laughs> well, it is. It is. But it's. But it, re, the reality is that's what most work looks like. You know, it's. It's not. Um. You know, it's not mountaintop and valley experiences. Most of our work just looks like showing up every day, toiling away, bringing our best. Um. You know, trying to to make a little bit of progress. It feels like incrementalism. It really does. Studded by, uh, you know, occasional leaps. But it's not. Um, you know, a, a thrill a minute for most of us. And that monotony kind of takes us out and it causes us to settle in. It causes us to slip into a place of personal mediocrity. And so the, the biggest, I think, impact that, that I bring to my clients is helping them understand that you have to build rhythms and practices and watch points in your life. If you want to be brilliant at a moment's notice when the pressure is on, when those occasional leaps happen, you have to begin far upstream from the moment you need that brilliant idea. And the way you do that is by building intentional rhythms and practices into your life so that you're filling your well, so that you're staying sharp, you're staying focused, you're staying aligned, you're developing your skills, um, you're, you're cultivating, developing your productive passion. Because most people think you find your passion, but you don't. You develop your passion over time. Uh, And so it's little practices, daily efforts that we make that enable us to eventually build a body of work that we can point to with pride and say, yes, that represents me. So I think that's the biggest um, point of impact that I bring to organizations is kind of taking them by the shoulders, shaking them a bit and saying, let's talk about what you're doing every day and how that's going to add up to something spectacular over the long run. Yeah, it's a great way of looking at it is that that kind of building to some kind of outcome that you're looking for, but doing it in a way that's really going to optimize your ability to be creative and responsive in the moment. Right. And and I think, you know, uh, as uh, Gretchen Rubin said, what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think right. that's a great quote that summarizes 
a lot of a lot of uh, this topic. You know, I think that we it, it matters more what we choose to engage in on a regular basis than the effort that we bring to some big project that happens once every six months. You know, um, because it's the steady work that's going to prepare us. Uh, it's going to enable us, first of all, to be prolific, brilliant, and healthy all at the same time. Um, you know, to, to be able to produce sustainable work without burning out constantly. Um, and, and second of all, it's what's going to allow us to develop the platform we need to be able to express ourselves effectively when those moments of opportunity come. Hmm. Well, we've touched, you've touched on this a little bit in what you've said um, so far, but I, one of the things that I've been exploring this podcast is asking people about their values and what they hold as important, because I think that informs what you do, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, it makes a difference in what you choose to do every day. And are there ways in which you've brought your values and beliefs into your business? Oh, yeah. Un- I mean, unquestionably. <laughs> I think, uh, it, you know, my, I have been very fortunate in that I've been able to structure my business around, A, my areas of, of you know, skill and, and the kind of core competencies I think that I bring to the marketplace. So I've been able to kind of pretty closely align those things, um, which I, again, I do consider myself fortunate to be able to do that because I've not always been able to do that. Uh, and so where I am now, I feel very, very fortunate and blessed. Um, but also what I care deeply about. I mean, I, I, all of this began as a passionate side project for me. Um, it was something that I was doing to help other people learn what I was already learning. And so I feel very fortunate that that sort of passionate um, side project became a full-time endeavor and that now there's enough demand for it that it keeps me busy and I travel all over the world getting to teach these principles to, to people and teams. I love that. Um, but it, but it, um, you know, it all really emanates from my belief that we each have a creative mandate on our life. We have a mandate to get whatever is inside of us out of us for consumption by other people. Uh, you know, we don't work for ourselves. We work on behalf of others. And so, um, you know, it grieves me when I see people who are sitting on that work or sitting on those ideas or sitting on those areas of productive passion and not bringing them into the world. And, you know, it's, that's what really drives me is, you know, it's not, this is not a shot in the arm. So I'm not, I'm, I'm old enough now, uh, you know, in my, my mid forties with uh, enough, uh, you know, experience under my belt to, to realize that, you know, this isn't just Pollyanna. This isn't just, you're special, go out and do something. You know, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we all know, we all know, Ursula, that we have something inside of us to contribute that we're sitting on. We all know that there are areas of value that we could contribute that we're afraid to enact. We're afraid to put out there. People who are mid to late in their career know that they've kind of been riding it out. They've kind of been coasting because they're afraid of the consequences of action um, because action creates accountability for ourselves and for everyone around us. And so, uh, you know, really it is my core, you can probably hear it in my voice, it's my core productive passion to stick my finger in the mix, stir it up and tell people, listen, if you don't act on this, you're going to take your best work to the grave with you. And that would be a crying shame, not just for you, but for everyone around you that is not going to get to experience the, the best of who you are. And by the way, that doesn't just mean your job. That could mean with your family. That could mean with your friends. It could mean areas of service. It could mean how you're structuring your finances to be able to protect and bless other people, right? Um, I'm not just talking about your job. Your body of work is bigger than your job. Mm-hmm. But you know, people 
it, it grieves me when I see people who are for uh, reasons that feel very real to them, but are in truth lies that they're believing, just sit on that value and don't contribute it. And then they look back and I've talked to many of these people look back and they say, what have I done? I've ab- abdicated my contribution because I was so afraid to take little strategic risks. Yeah, you put that so well. And I completely agree with you. I, I think that there are things that hold people back that, um, are really stymieing them from putting themselves out in the world and sharing what they have. Are there particular things that you've seen that hold people back and, and keep them from sharing their work and their lives? Yeah, I think, I mean, there are, there are a couple of, of, um, I mean, there are, there are many, uh, there are seven common ones. I won't talk about all seven, but I'll talk about, uh, a couple of them. Um, the first one is, is aimlessness. Um, and aimlessness doesn't mean we don't know what we're doing. The problem with aimlessness is that sometimes it means we know exactly what we're doing. We know exactly what we're accountable for accomplishing and we accomplish that and nothing more, but we've failed to define our battle lines. We failed to connect with what really matters to us. We've kind of sold ourselves out in a way in order to achieve a little bit of something in the short run. And we're compromising a whole lot of something in the long run. Um, so my, my first encouragement to people would be to understand that it's important to go back and to look at the moments in your life when you have been especially productive and especially engaged, right? When are the moments in your life when you have contributed in a way that people say, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? That's, that's incredible, right? What are those moments? And then at the same time, you weren't just drudging it out, but you really found a lot of personal satisfaction in the work that you were doing. And then once you go back and you identify, you know, half a dozen to 10 of those, then start asking yourself, what are the commonalities there? Right? What, what are the, what was it about those situations that made it that way? And then how can I draw a through line between those? And how can I bring more of those qualities to the work I'm already doing every day? Instead of looking for tasks that will replicate those moments, because that's what we often do. We think, oh, the perfect job is out there somewhere, right? right. If I could only have the perfect job for me, all my problems would be solved. <laughs> and that's the perfect job is a myth because there are always going to be tasks you have to do that you don't like and that you're not equipped for. So instead, ask how how can I bring more of the things that bring me alive and the things I'm passionate about, the things that I, where I contribute disproportionate value to the work I'm already doing? And that's how we begin to counter aimlessness is by identifying that through line or that productive passion. And by the way, that word passion um, and, and I will also say as a disclaimer, I am like a wind up chatty Cathy doll. So just cut me off at any point, <laughs> Ursula, because I'll just keep going. I will talk for another three hours. <laughs> um, that word passion comes from the root word pati, which means to suffer, right? We talk about passion as something I like, something that excites me, something that I'm interested in. But passion in its root form comes from the word that means to suffer. And I find it helpful to reclaim that when we talk about, you know, finding your passion, following your passion, cultivating your passion, one of the factors we have to consider there is what outcome do I care about so much I'm willing to suffer if necessary in order to achieve it because it matters so much to me. Right. And so when it's we that, reclaim that word passion, I think it helps us reframe the kinds of things we should be doing every day in order to build a body of work we can be proud of. It's like that Elizabeth Gilbert shit sandwich. I don't know if you've yeah. read Big Magic, That's but she right. uh, just for the people listening, if you haven't read it, it's a great book. But she she talks about that as well as you know what are you willing to what are you willing to do that is going to be unpleasant but you're really willing you're really willing because you're so excited and passionate about it that's right because yeah. we all have to eat those, right, on, yeah. a, on a regular basis. It doesn't matter what your work is or how closely it is. I mean, I eat them on a regular basis, even though I get to pretty much perfectly 
uh, align my tasks with what I, you know, where I'm good and what, you know, the outcomes I want, I still have to eat them all the time because right. we all have to as part of our job. Yeah. Well, you talk about passion and, and how, and clearly you're very engaged with what you're doing. And is that something that, uh, you've had to kind of, uh, find a balance there? I've, I, I know that when I get really into a project, I can, I can just barrel in and, uh, it's, it's easy to work a lot and just put enormous amount of time into it and, and neglect other parts of my life at times. Are there ways that you handle your own self care so that you're finding some harmony in those parts of your life that are important to you? Yeah. And this is a really important point. I think for, especially for business owners, you know, I, I've once heard, and you've probably heard this a million times as well. Um, you know, somebody said, the great thing about owning your own business is you can make a good living and work half a day and you get to choose which 12 hours you work. Right. right. And I think that's a really, it's a good joke. It's an app joke because the reality is that most of us who own and run our own businesses do end up finding that we're checking email at 11 o'clock at night and at 5.30 in the morning and we're, you know, we're con kind of constantly engaged. So um, the, the solution a lot of people throw out there is, well, you need more life balance. And I think life balance is a complete myth. I and agree. I think it's, we, we chase something that is, that is untenable. I think instead we need rhythm. Rhythm is different from balance. Rhythm means that we're, we're ebbing and we're flowing and we recognize that there are going to be moments when, um, you know, I tell, I say this to my kids, you know, I was in, wow, there was a week, a couple of weeks ago, I gave like four talks in five days on, in different parts of the country, right. To, mm -hmm. to different groups of people. And, you know, I, I had to have the conversation with my kids. You're not going to see dad this week, right. Um, dad is going to be gone. I'll call you from Phoenix or from New York or from Seattle or wherever I am or Cancun. I'll call you, uh, maybe not Cancun cause it's international call, but you know, so, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll call you, but, um, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to see me and I'm going to miss a couple of things. And let's talk about why that is. Let's talk about why dad works hard. Let's talk about what he's doing, you know, for the family. Let's talk about the impact that he's having. Not just dad's gone and he's working, he doesn't care about me, but let's talk about what I'm doing and the impact I'm having. And as a family, we're all supporting that outcome because we're all sort of aligned around what I'm doing for a living, right? So um, we talk about that, but then, but then, in the weeks or the moments when I'm around, when I'm here, I'm here. And I you try to put my kids on the bus and I try to be there when they get off the bus. And I try to make sure that I'm engaged, you know, in all of their activities. And I try to help coach their, their sports teams. And I try, you know, um, in the summer, one of the rhythms we have, you know, one of the, the real blessings of, of the work that I do is that there aren't a lot of events and there are a lot of corporate, uh, demands in the, in the summer, mm -hmm. um, because people are on vacation. So companies don't tend to schedule, um, unless it's in June and they're on a fiscal calendar that requires them to spend all of their budget right before they lose it. <laughs> right. I mean, that happens sometimes in June, but typically July and August tend to be you know, pretty slow months. And so what do I do? I take time off and I take my kids to the pool, right? And I, I try to make sure that I'm really there when I'm there around the holidays, really there when I'm there. But there, mm -hmm. there are times when I'm not around at all. So it's about rhythm and it's about recognizing there are seasons for everything. This is a season when we're really busy and uh, I don't like it, but I'm going to be gone. And we talk about why I'm gone. We talk about the outcome, mm -hmm. the importance of me being gone. But when I'm around, I try to be fully present. And that sounds like a cliche, right? Be fully present. But but it, it, it 
some of the most, you know, the cliches we hear all the time are cliches because they're true, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so that would be my encouragement to people is forget about balance because balance has a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And we try to get a good mix at all times. No, I think that's a myth. It's yeah. about rhythm. It's about going fully in with one thing and then fully in with the other thing. I agree with you. That's why I use the word harmony instead of balance. And you use the word mm. rhythm. I think it's a great way of, of looking at it. And uh, what a great lesson for your kids to be in conversation with you about why is this important for you to be away? Why is it? It's And it's not just about so they feel that they're not being neglected in some way, but also they're getting a bigger picture of the world about how they might be able to contribute and, and really have some say in in how things evolve in the world, in the larger world, which is an exciting Absolutely. thing to consider. Yeah, it is. And, and I think also, you know, we try to, I see this all the time. We try to shield our kids from work, right? Or we, uh, you know, we expect them to do chores or whatever, but we, try, you know, a lot of people try to shield their, their kids from the realities of work. They don't talk about the problems that they're dealing with. They don't talk about uh, the struggles they're having or uh, the ways in which they're failing or the ways in which they're succeeding. And what we really try to do is bring the kids into a conversation about that. Yeah, I believe it is important for for kids to see their parents working hard. Mm-hmm. It's important for them to see that parents are making difficult decisions, sometimes to miss things, to miss things that, you know, I'm going to miss your concert because I have to be out of town and I don't want to miss your concert, but I, this is something that's required of me, right, to, to do this. And guess what? If I'm in town, I'm going to be at every single one of your events, and I'm not going to miss it, and I'm going to be present, and we're going to have a great time. And my kids over time have come to realize that when I'm making um, those choices, they are very difficult choices, but they're necessary choices. And really, we're kind of in in one of the only generations in recent memory or really perhaps ever where we have so much latitude um, that we're able to, because of the nature of the work that a lot of us do, we're able to sort of make choices about work and about how we engage and how we don't. And I think as a result, we, tr- we try to shield our children from the realities of work. But I think it's important that, that we model hard work for our children and that we also show them that we have to make difficult choices. These are not default choices. These are d- decisions we're making on purpose because of the calling that's on our life, right. you know, and because of, and so, yes, I'm called to be a father, but I'm also called to contribute value out here. And so I have to make really hard decisions on a regular basis about how to, how to have rhythm with all of those things. Well, and that's something that we think about too, for entrepreneurs and leaders. If you're, we often hear this kind of wonderful narrative about how someone's career has evolved and we don't really get a sense of what obstacles are issues they come up against is it would you be willing to share an example of, of a way that you've had an issue come up and, and been able to move through it i always think that's a valuable thing for people to hear and give them ideas and creative solutions themselves yeah and, and are you referring specifically to the to the family rhythm thing or no what? i i mean just in general in your work and um how you've how you've come up against a particular obstacle and been able yeah. to move through it so early, as, as is common with most uh, entrepreneurs, especially if you're starting an accidental business like I did, um, <laughs> you know, you spend a lot of time outside of work hours um, building the thing that you're building. And in my case, between the years of 2005 and 2007, um, I spent every day from 5 to 7 in the morning and probably 8 to 11 at night. So basically before everybody was out of bed, before I went to work, um, and then in the evening after the kids were down, 
Um, so basically five hours a day, five days a week, um, and often on the weekends for you know a couple of years, um, building the business on the side as I was um, you know trying trying to grow it. And at one point, I hit an obstacle, and and because of the way it was happening, you know, I was building websites myself. I was you know trying to develop marketing materials myself. I was doing all of this myself, just because it was it was like a side business, right? It wasn't something I was going to invest a lot of money in yet, because I didn't know if the opportunity was there. And I did something really silly, and I um, basically destroyed uh, you know the website and the database and basically everything that I had been building for like you know a year, a year and a half. Um, and I just came out of my home office and I sat down in our family room. My wife was sitting there and she said, what's going on? And she could just see, I just like white as a ghost, right? And I said, I think I just ruined everything that I've been working on for a year and a half. Um, and we had a little talk about it. I was crushed because in my mind, I was like, there's, this is irreparable. Like there's, you know, there are, there are, um, you know, clients, um, there were, all kinds of things that were in that database that just seemed to me like I was not going to be able to get those back, you know. Um, and it's a little hard to take too long to explain in the time we have. But I was um, there uh, sitting there with my wife and we talked about it. And she looked me in the eye. She said, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I think I'm I – th- I don't know. if I don't know if I can continue. I mean I think I've basically just kind of lost everything. Um, you know, it's going to take forever to rebuild everything that I've that I've been doing. Um, and she kind of looked me in there and she gave me a shot in the arm. She said, get back in there and start working on it and we'll make this work. We'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. Right. And I did it. I went in and I, I worked on it and somehow over the course of the evening, I don't know what happened. If somehow my, my, uh, you know, hosting provider figured out that I had done something stupid or whatever, but they basically restored the database from oh, the wow. night before with, without my even asking it That's just happened. Great. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, it was pretty amazing, actually, that that happened. But um, what I learned from that moment um, is you have to have people in your life who will speak truth to you, and you have to have people in your life who will give you encouragement at strategic points in time. Now, my wife didn't just give me a blanket like, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. No, she said, what do you want to do? Yeah. What are you going to do about it, right? Um, she sort of stuck her finger in my chest and she said, listen, you've been working too hard on this for too long to just give up over a mistake. Not going to happen. If we have to rebuild, we'll rebuild, right? Whatever yeah. we have to do, but we're going to make this happen. Um, and that was just a real shot in the arm. It was a real encouragement to me. And and so I think it's really important. I mean, it doesn't have to be a spouse, but you have to have somebody in your life who will speak truth to you at those moments when you hit bottom because we're all going to hit bottom, um, and you need to have somebody who's willing to say, either keep moving, keep going. This is there's value here. There's too much here to to turn your back on. Or you know what? You're right. You made a good run at it, and it didn't work. And let's reevaluate. You know, let's let's change our our focus because sometimes that's the right answer. Sometimes yeah. the answer is you've made a run at it. Um, that wasn't the case in this case, and I'm so thankful I had my wife there in that moment. Well, what a great su- level of support, and also your realization about that is is so valuable. I, you know, we all have issues that we deal with over time, and what do you what are you going to do in response? Which kind of brings me to the question of if you had one piece of advice that you'd share with somebody who's asking themselves, how can I have impact? How can I positively contribute in some way? What would you say to them? Your body of work begins where you are. 
right? So um, my, my biggest piece of advice, I mean, it's what happened with me. I noticed patterns that were going on with the people I was working with, the organization I was leading, and I also noticed gaps in the marketplace. Um, and so my, my, my first bit of advice, or probably the most important one, would be don't go seeking a contribution out there somewhere. Begin by adding as much value as you can, as much unique value as you can where you are. Play your role to its max potential. And then if you feel like you have excess value spilling over and you feel like your role is not big enough to contain the value that you want to contribute, then go seeking for other places to add value. But before you do that, seek to, to make as big of a contribution, as big of a delta as you can where you're already standing. And that's how you begin to navigate your way to a, a body of work that you can be proud of. I love that. That's great. Um, Todd, you've uh, you've taken this side project and turned it into uh, a, a source of inspiration for people and helping people to move beyond mediocrity and find rhythm and uh, really be prolific, brilliant, and healthy, as you put it. So thanks so much for sharing that today and for, um, for sharing the work that you do and, and how you do that. Thank you, and thanks for the great work that you do. Thank you. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? So my personal site is toddhenry.com, T-O-D-D-H-E-N-R-Y.com. Uh, I also do a series of podcasts I've been doing, I mentioned, since 2005 uh, called The Accidental Creative, and you can find that wherever podcasts are found. Great. Well, thanks again, and uh, thank you for, for uh, the work you do. It's, uh, it's powerful and uh, very inspiring. So I'm looking forward to your fourth book. <laughs> thank you. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> so join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.